God, we thank you for times of worship like this where we can be in your presence, where we can leave all the things of life, all the complications of everything that happens around us off to the side and focus our heart, soul, mind, and strength on you. God, I pray that you would have a way in each of us this morning, that you would open our minds to what you might have, our hearts and our ears to where you might have us go and do differently as a result of this service. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in this room, your work in our lives. And as we study your impact on the world right now, I pray that you would be stirring in all of our hearts in just a powerful and mighty and supernatural way that we can't even begin to understand or explain. So Lord, we give you everything that happens in this space, in this place, in this time. And Lord, I truly do ask that you would do more than we would hope or imagine. And I have some big hopes, but that you would do more, exceedingly more. And we pray in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. You know, after times of worship like that, I think I might just sit down and say amen. Um, Thank you, guys. You know, this was a hard transition in the last service, too. My goodness gracious. So let me just jump right in. I've been in this role roughly about five weeks and some of you love it and some of you hate it. No, I, I hope you don't hate it. I hope you're doing all right with it because I'm, I love what's happening. And whenever a pastor takes a, a role like this, there's a honeymoon period. You know, maybe you've had one in a new job you've started or sometime in your life, you've had this honeymoon period that isn't necessarily tied to your, your spouse. And in the honeymoon period, it's almost like you're getting to know one another. I feel like I'm getting to know you as a church. Now I have history. I've been here for a while, but I've never been in this position. And in these first few weeks, I've learned a lot about you already. And you just have to look at my emails and you'll see what I mean. But you're also learning about me because I've never been in this role. I've done other things here, but never quite like this. And then I think as, as we have our time together, as we move forward, we'll begin to understand each other more clearly. It's sort of like when you, I got married to my wife and I believe she's sitting right over there so she can verify everything I'm about to say. Either she'll come up here and kick me in the shin or she'll say, good job. I don't know, you tell me what it looks like, but you really get to know your spouse during your honeymoon and shortly after. I mean, the things that really matter in your relationship, the non-negotiables, like how you put a toilet, um, toilet paper roll in, either up or under, right? Those are the things that matter in a marriage. I squeeze the toothpaste from the end of the tube. My wife squeezes it from the middle. It's caused marital strife at times as I'm trying to, on the, count, on the counter in our bathroom, trying to get the toothpaste in the right position because it's always squeezed in the middle and it drives me crazy. Or the one that she'll say was most interesting to her, when we first started dating, my car served as many things to me. It was my mode of transportation, which most cars are, but it also served as a locker. My basketball clothes and shoes were in the back seat of my car. Whenever I needed them, they were never washed. I would just grab them, put them on, and go. It was fantastic. There were always snacks and soft drinks in my car, various places. Whether it was under the seat, you find an old fry, or actually in a bag, still new and ready to go. There was always something to eat. 
And there were empty Snapple bottles and Mountain Dew bottles all over the place. When I was done, I'd just chuck them in the back seat. What else are you going to do with it? When you're single, you can do those things. I learned shortly after being married that that probably wasn't the best way to use my car. And in fact, it's pretty spotless now, not due to my own doing. Just like Holly and I learned a lot about each other through our honeymoon and shortly after being married, you'll learn a lot about me. You'll learn that I love the scriptures. I love spending time in the word, learning what God might have for me, pouring over it, not only so that I can learn for myself, but now so that I can instruct and teach and be a part of your spiritual journey as well. I love the word. I love and have a strong desire for people who don't know Jesus to hear about him and to accept him and to call him their own. I've had numerous people throughout my life who are far from the Lord and it's just so heartbreaking. Do you know that person in your life? Maybe you've known him a week. Maybe you've known him 30 years. But that person, no matter what you do, Jesus is always like at arm's length for them and they don't want to get any closer. My heart breaks for that person because I realize and understand the beauty of what it would look like for that person to fully embrace Jesus. My passion is for people like that to know the Lord deeply. And you'll learn that about me. That'll come out over and over and over again. You'll learn that my favorite book in the Bible is the book of Acts. Why Acts? Because there's action. I love the Gospels and I love the Gospel stories, but in the book of Acts, you see the early church on fire. You see them going out and teaching and telling people about Jesus, being persecuted and all the waves of persecution that came at them. But in the middle of that, they stood strong whether it was Peter and James and John or Paul or whomever you read about in Acts, they stood strong under persecution. And whatever came their way, they were ready for it. I love that about Acts, which is why we're stepping into this new series right now called Unstoppable. Unstoppable is the idea that no matter what obstacles came against the early church, it didn't stop. It kept going and growing and we're here as a result of its work the church's work in the world. And believe it or not, no matter who is the lead pastor here, the work of the church will never be stopped because we serve a God that's far bigger than anyone who stands right here. We serve a God who has a plan for us to change the world. We're plan A and his plan to change the world. And there's no plan B. So we're an unstoppable force. And in fact, um, you'll read about that I'm going to challenge everybody in the church over this next 28 days to read through the book of Acts. You see, there's 28 chapters and we're spending four weeks in Acts in this series. So if you read a chapter a day, by the end of this period, you'll have read the whole thing and you'll follow right along with us. In fact, when you go home today, I challenge you to start reading Acts chapter one. Acts 1. And when you do, this is what I want you to do. It's a little um, help that my group has used over time and many in our church have used called SOAP. When you read a chapter of Acts, the first thing I want you to do is read through the entire chapter. So today you'll read Acts 1. Read the whole thing. And then the S in SOAP stands for scripture. Look for one verse or maybe two that really sticks out to you. That as you read it, you're like, wow, I never thought of that before. That's incredible. Or maybe you've read it a hundred times and it just hits you differently at that point. So you have a notebook, write that scripture down and put an S next to it. Then based on that scripture, O is observation. O in soap is observation. What does that verse tell you? 
as you read it and try to dig into it in the context and everything about it, what is it telling you? In your life, who you are, what is that verse speaking to you? Just write down two or three sentences. And then after you do the observation, you do the application. As a result of this verse, I'm going to live in this way. This is what I'm going to do. And then the P is prayer. Just write down a prayer. I'm really poor at that. I don't write prayers. It's not easy for me to do. I don't think that way. But I have to force myself sometimes just to write prayers. And as you soap these chapters of Acts, you will begin to see and understand the beauty of the early church and how Jesus' followers changed the world and how they were, began an unstoppable movement that has gone on today and will go on in the world long after all of us are, are gone. And in fact, in chapter five, you'll read about Gamaliel, who one time when the, the followers were being persecuted, they were about to be um, executed. They wanted to kill them. And he said, no, 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 no. Don't do that. If what they're doing is of man, it will fail. But if it's, on, against, if it's of God, you'll be fighting God. And they're really unstoppable. And you'll read about that this week. That's where the title of this came from. So today we're going to look at the moment that the church was born in Acts 2. If you have your Bible, your app, it'll be on the screens. But whatever you have, turn to Acts 2. And we're going to start in verses 1 through 4. And you'll see why this quickly has become, and over the years, my, my favorite um, book of the Bible. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the gift, as the Spirit enabled them. Pentecost wasn't just a Christian holiday, it was actually a Jewish holiday, and it served two functions. The first was called Shavat, or the Feast of Weeks. This was set up long ago, and there were three pilgrimage, pilgrimage festivals in, in, in Jewish life where everybody would go to Jerusalem. And this was one of them. It was the first fruits or the, the feast of weeks where you would bring the first fruits of your, your harvest and give it to um, and present it at the temple. But also Pentecost was a celebration of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai through Moses. So Jerusalem was hopping because people were celebrating both of those. They sort of coincided on the same holiday. The significance of this day was huge. The streets of Jerusalem were shoulder to shoulder. People were everywhere. It's sort of like the Erie County Fair on a hot August afternoon when you're walking by all the food vendors and it's shoulder to shoulder people around lunch and dinner time. That's the feel. It was hot and sweaty and people were just piled into Jerusalem. And then it happened. Just like it said, there was a sound of a violent wind you know, when you're laying in bed at night and the wind is blowing so much, you feel like the roof is going to lift right off your house. You hear the creaks and crackles and you wonder, this might be it. We're going to be outside real soon. And then the power starts flickering and eventually the lights go out. That's the kind of sound they heard. But they didn't feel the wind. There was the noise, but no wind they heard it, but they didn't feel it. And then tongues of fire. Have any of you ever seen tongues of fire? Anyone? I read this and I'm like, what in the world was a tongue of fire? 
But the best I can understand, all of a sudden these flames appeared and they started resting on the disciples. It's much like being at a bonfire when somebody throws a bunch of newspaper in a fire. What happens? It burns up and the hot embers sort of filter around and fall on everybody. We were at a friend's house on, on Friday night and somebody threw papers in the fire and a big chunk of it came down and rested on their dog. They got it, it was quick, but that's what I imagine it felt like. All of a sudden, the wind and this noise and, and this horrible noise and then all these tongues of fire, flames resting on each of them. Back in the Old Testament, when Moses first encountered God, it was through a burning bush. There's something really holy in scripture when fire is present. The divine presence of God is present in that fire. It was true of Moses back when he had the conversation with God in the burning bush. And it was true in this story in Acts. Where there's fire, the divine presence of God is there. And then each of them, each of them received the gift of the Holy Spirit. It rested, he rested on each person and they started to talk in different languages as the spirit enabled them. If there was ever a time to be a fly on the wall in scripture, this is one of them. There are many times I wish I could just enter into the story and look and see and smell what was going on. And this is absolutely one of them. What in the world did that look and feel like? Luke continues in Acts. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard them speaking in his or her own language. People from all over the Jewish world were there for the festival, spoke many different languages, and all of a sudden they heard it in their own native tongue. Back at the Tower of Babel, man thought they could create a tower and that they were great and that they could be equal with God. And what did God do? He separated them. He messed up their languages. He gave many different languages and people sort of segregated themselves and moved off and formed new cultures because God scattered them. Well, this is the uniting of what was once scattered. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes and everyone who was scattered and didn't understand and was living on their own, they were united in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That which was scattered became one. Unity. Jesus said, you will not know the day or time when my spirit comes. And they didn't. This was a total surprise. The Holy Spirit brings unity in the midst of diversity. Unity in the middle of things that are totally separate from one another. The early church was suddenly unified by the Holy Spirit. And I fear and I think we need the same. We need to be unified by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Our world is fragmented. Our country is fragmented. Our world needs unity to experience what these, the early church experienced right here. As followers of Christ, guys, listen to this. As followers of Christ, we need to be unified with one another. Whatever petty arguments or disputes that may exist between us, we need to throw those off to the side. Our enemy wants to separate and destroy us, but we cannot allow that to happen because when you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit resides in you and the Holy Spirit brings unity wherever he goes. 
I hesitate to share what I was going to share next because I, I don't want it to seem like I'm on a soapbox. But COVID has been really hard for the church. This week alone, and this happens every week, this week was not unique. We receive emails from people saying they're not coming back until they don't have to wear masks. We also get emails from people saying they're not coming back because we're too loose on masks. I I don't know what to do. Because when you're focused on that as opposed to focusing on the person of who Jesus is, the person of Jesus when you focus on worldly things instead of what's above, all of a sudden your attention gets diverted and the enemy can separate us and sort of section us off and have us quarrel with one another. We can't let them win. Through the Holy Spirit, we're unified. Whether you wear a mask or care about it or not, we're one in the Spirit. Don't let the enemy separate us and divide us and conquer us in that way. Politics are another one. I have friends who are strong Christians doing good work in the world who are as liberal as the day is long. I have friends who are ultra conservative who are, who are doing good work for the kingdom. But they don't talk to each other. Isn't that awful? As followers of Christ, we need to be united because the Holy Spirit unites us and makes us one. We're not separate. Stop focusing on the things that are different and focus on what matters. Is a heart sold out for the Lord? That's what matters. And when you find those people, no matter what they think about masks or politics or anything else, we're united in the presence of a holy God. And as a church, we need to stand on that unity. And the world can't know that we're divided and fighting amongst ourselves, but that we're one. And we become a beacon of hope in the world because we figured out unity and the world just hasn't. The Holy Spirit brings unity. Is the enemy succeeding in dividing us? I'll just let that sit there. The story in Acts continues on. Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. I need to pause there. I love that it's Peter who stood up. Peter, the one who who denied Jesus. Peter, the one who often was portrayed in the gospels as brash and rash and doing things that were, Jesus just had to shake his head at over and over and over again. The one who denied Jesus three times after Jesus said he would. The one who cut the guard's ear off when Jesus was to be arrested. I just, can you imagine that? Peter whips out his sword. There's this angry mob. He cuts the guy's ear off. Jesus says, you better stop or you're going to end up dead. And then I love what Jesus did. And this is, this wasn't intentional, but he picks the ear up. I've never picked up. And he just put it back on. I don't know. I love reading the scripture. It's so beautiful to think about that and imagine it. But that's Peter, the flawed disciple, confused, afraid, and faltering. All of a sudden, he speaks with passion and authority and openly and boldly to the same crowd of Jews who likely had something to do with crucifying Jesus. The chief priests and the the religious leaders undoubtedly were either present or heard what Peter was saying. 
the same people who crucified Jesus, who Peter one time was running away from, he now stands possibly at the temple itself preaching about Jesus. What happened to Peter? What caused this change? What made him flip from what he was to what he is now? Well, it's simple. He was now empowered by the Holy Spirit. He now had the spirit alive and well in him. And all of a sudden, he, he, he had this power that he was tapping into of the almighty God in him. And as he taught that day, he preached about the incarnation of Jesus, the way Jesus was God and came to earth in the form of a human. He preached all about it. He preached about Jesus's crucifixion, how Jesus was born to die. He preached about his resurrection and how this was predicted in the Old Testament and prophesied about. He told boldly what happened to Jesus in the middle of that huge Jewish crowd. He preached of his ascension and how he went from this world up into heaven, just disappeared into the clouds. And he preached of his exaltation where Jesus is seated at the right hand of God in the place of honor. Peter, who at one time was afraid of his own shadow, stood up and spoke boldly about Jesus. Boldly about Jesus. And as he continued, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God, our Lord God will call. This was the crescendo of his sermon. This was the, the big moment. And he said to everybody, you've heard what I've just said. Now repent, turn from your sin, turn from your ways, turn from your selfish desires, turn from hating other believers because of petty arguments, turn from all of that and be baptized. Let your life be a testimony about what Jesus has done in you, a visual testimony of what the Lord has done. Surrender, turn away from your sins, and tell the world who Jesus is. That was Peter's message that day. Because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, this guy who once was running away scared as people were calling him out for being a follower of Jesus was all of a sudden standing up and say, there's no other way to live. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Every one of you, right now. Peter was empowered by the Spirit. It changed him. It changed him. The Holy Spirit filled and changed Peter. And this is the great news. The same can be true of you and me. The same spirit that came at Pentecost and filled the room in tongues of fire is available to us where all of a sudden we can be, have that same reality where our lives are empowered. It can be the same. Acts 1.8. Jesus, right, as he was being, right before he ascended, it is not for you to know the time or the time or dates the Father has set before his own authority. But when you receive the but when you receive power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes on your life, it changes you. 
You will have power to live lives that are honoring to God. You will have power to stand up under persecution. You'll have power to share your faith. You'll have power to get out of your comfort zone and go somewhere else that's uncomfortable for you to serve, to be engaged with what God's doing in the world. About two weeks ago, we had a team return from Zambia. In the middle of COVID and all that's going on in our world, they got on a plane and traveled to the middle of Africa. They had a phenomenal experience. God used them in powerful ways. And I could tell you about it, but I think it's better that you watch this video clip and see for yourselves how the Lord used them. God works here in such strong ways. Here it's, you do church and then you do ministry just Monday through Saturday, just constantly talking Jesus, living Jesus, loving Jesus. And I don't know any other place in the world where that is more alive than here in Zambia. I'm just so excited to be here, be a part of it again, do some improvements on the base to just help build up this ministry. Poetis is just my heart. This is my country. This is this is my heart. All right, we have Watermark on the ground with us this week, and it has been an awesome week of just renovating and updating our spaces. And um, this is such a, an important part of who we are and what we do, because as we build something, um, as we are doing this week, partnering with you guys to do, um, we are creating a permanence on the ground. Buildings create permanence. They're saying we're not going anywhere. And so by investing into our spaces, we're saying we're here and we're in this thing and we're gonna and we're gonna see the city, the whole city of Toma be transformed by the power of the gospel through spaces and through atmospheres. Spaces create inspiration, they create vision and hope. And so as we create and renovate and create beauty and creativity in our spaces, we really believe that it changes our ministry, it changes our life on a day-to-day -day basis, and it is such a, a privilege to get to do this with our family from Watermark. Well, it has been amazing. I feel like God has taught me more how to listen to Him. I'm very blessed to be here. just want to thank them for all the work they're doing. And I would have loved them to stay longer than they're staying because we're just making friends. Having just fellowship with them is something great. But most of all, the work that they're doing, you can't imagine it. It's just helped us like Two years work, a lot of work has just gone off our, our shoulders and stuff. Watermark family, you guys are such a blessing. We're so thankful to have you guys here with us this week, serving and working. We've had so much work done, it's unbelievable. But more importantly, I wanna say that I believe that this team is a catalyst for the rest of the year. I know that it's a questionable time of year to travel, with COVID and everything, but you guys stepped out in faith and the Lord is protecting and watching over you. And I believe it's gonna be a catalyst for every other team to say, hey, we can continue to serve, we can continue to get back to normal, and we can serve the Lord in places all across the world and we're gonna travel and do it if the Lord calls us to do it. So thank you for being faithful. We believe God's gonna bless you greatly and we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you guys. We love you, thank you for coming. Um, we can't wait to do it again. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Mike Devlin started off the video um, sharing a little bit about his experience. And if you talk to Mike, you'll see very quickly that his life has been changed.
It's been changed because the Holy Spirit has rested on that dude and he's changing him from the inside out. It's incredible. You will receive power to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to breaking bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and, everything, and shared everything they had in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he or she had need. That's what I want us, that's who I see us being as a church. That as we meet together and learn together in services or community groups or Bible studies or, or other learning opportunities for classes, we re continue to learn through from the scriptures, to pour over them, to learn just the way the apostles would have taught this, the very life and resurrection of Jesus, how that changes our lives and how we can inform other people by, as a result of what we know. We will do life together in community groups and friendships. Hopefully when you come to this place, it's not just a big mass of people, but as you look around, you see folks who you know really well who you do life with, who you're engaged in a group with or other, other means of relationship, and you just go deep with those folks. That we celebrate communion together and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. That should be one of the highlights of our worship every time we do it. Because we remember that we were far from God and then Jesus made a way for us to have life eternal. And then we join in prayer together. In your group as individuals and as a family. On next Sunday night, we have a call to pray. I, I, I love these times. There's been a group doing them for, for a long time, but recently we've, we've taken it and we do it a little bit different. We meet in here, the band does some acoustic worship and we pray together. Last time we had just over 100 people with those who are watching online and who are in person. It's a wonderful time of prayers. We pray for our church and the needs that come before us, our country, our world, our city, as we intercede on behalf of those who don't have anybody else maybe to intercede for them. We're going to become a church who prays a lot, a lot. I hope you like prayer. Our culture lacks unity. The culture in, in the biblical times lacked unity, but when the Holy Spirit came, it changed everything. When he came to the world, he changed everything. The Holy Spirit brings unity. Our mission statement, our vision statement actually as a church is to be an undeniable force of God's hope, healing, and grace impacting generations to come. How does that happen? Through the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings unity. And then as we live lives that are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we begin to do things and have experiences we never dreamt possible. As we are committed to the teaching and the fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer, as we're committed to these things that are laid out in Acts, our church will look different. We will offer hope to our world. We'll offer healing to those whose lives are broken and hurt. And we'll help people to experience the grace of God. That's my heart. But it's only possible. It's only possible through our, through our loving Father 
through his son dying on the cross and through the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. Unity and being empowered by the Spirit are essential to who we are as followers of Christ. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this, just this opportunity to learn and grow and to to pour over the scripture and see what it might say to us. And God, as we studied about the Holy Spirit today, a topic that is, is not often talked about in many churches, Lord, I pray that each of us would have it would hear from you today on on what that looks like for us and that, Father, your spirit truly would be alive and well in each and every one of us and that we begin to recognize and see and understand his work in our lives. Father, I pray that we would experience unity, that whatever differences we have, we can let them fade away because we're focused on you and that we we would live in such a way where our lives are just empowered by your very presence. And just like Peter that stood up boldly after he, he didn't do that in the past, we would stand boldly in this world because of your work in our lives. We thank you. And I do pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.